You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All right, take your Bible, turn with you to Ephesians chapter number 6, please. And tonight we'll be looking at verse number 18, Ephesians chapter number 6. We began this series or this study in Ephesians 6 on the armor of God on September, let's, let's see, what would have been, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, the Wednesday, the first Wednesday, I believe, of September, or around thereabouts, and now we'll finish it tonight. And really, some people would cut it off last week at the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But I believe, really, this verse ties in there with our spiritual warfare, and that offensive weaponry that we began to talk about last week. And tonight we're going to look at the topic of prayer. When we talk to pray about prayer, there is no aficionado, no expert in that area, except for the Lord Jesus Christ who taught us to pray. All of us could do better in that area, no doubt about it. I think about the man who said he's going to go on a diet, and this is the way he used prayer. He went to, to the donut shop and began to pray and said, God, if you don't want me to eat a donut, he said, or if you do want me to eat a donut, make sure there's a spot open right in front of the donut shop. That's how he'd pray. And he drove around, and there was no spot. Then on the eighth lap around, one opened up, so he thought God's will is I eat a donut. And uh, so Brother Martinez did that just this week. I'm kidding. I would never. I, I would, you put a Santa Claus in front of my office today, bro, and now it's in yours somewhere. You'll find it later. Just look, I know it was you. Nobody else was here. Ephesians chapter number 6. We won't bring personal stuff into the pulpit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 18. Let's look and see what the Bible says. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And verse 19 ties in with it, and Paul gets personal and says, And for me, saying, Pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Our title will be the first two words of verse number 18, where the command is given to us, praying always. And really what that means is pray all the time, pray in all times, pray at all times. What it means is there's never an inopportune moment, there's never a, an occasion where it is not appropriate where you and I should not be in the attitude and air of abiding in the spirit of prayer. In fact, Jesus said in John 15 that if we would abide in him, we could ask, and if his words abide in us, we could ask these things and he would provide them for us. It's speaking about walking in this attitude, this mindfulness of prayer all the time. Prayer does not have to be you shutting your eyes, folding your hands, dropping to your knees to talk to God. I've told people before, I've prayed a lot of different places. I, I mean, I, I've prayed in hotel rooms. I've prayed, in, uh, I've prayed on airplanes before many times. I've prayed in the car. When I pray in the car, I don't close my eyes, and I recommend you don't do that either, right? You can pray walking down the aisle at Walmart. You can pray anytime, anyplace, anywhere. I like the old song, I can call Jesus anytime, and I'm glad he's always on the other end ready to answer when I do. For a little while tonight, think with me on this phrase, praying always, and I'm asking God to challenge our hearts on this topic of prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for your help tonight as we enter into this topic where we fall sh uh, so short and we fail so often. I pray that you'd uh, give us a desire and a hunger, Lord, to spend more time with you in prayer. And God, I pray that we wouldn't use prayer as a last resort or just a leaning post, but I pray it would be our first line of offense and defense against the wicked one. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I read a powerful quote from a preacher, and I want to read it to you just to put things in perspective. He said, In the discovery of the wickedness and hatred of the supernatural powers of evil against him, the believer learns he is not fighting against the intelligence of one supernatural being, but against principalities and powers with vast resources at their command. And that if he stands victorious against their wiles, he has conquered not only one evil spirit, but all of hell. Tonight we don't war against a weak enemy. And we don't even war against a singular enemy. But we battle against countless sources of spiritual wickedness that have countless wiles by which to attack the child of God. Our warfare is a serious conflict, a constant conflict, it's a conflict on a very personal and individual level. I thought about this as I prepared. We often talk about unrighteousness that's at work in society. And we talk about wickedness that it's at work in our culture. But the reality of it is, all of that and more is after you and after me every single day on a very personal and individual basis. Tonight, the devil hates Christ. The devil hates the church. But the devil also hates the individual Christian. And he wants more than just to give you and I a hard time. He wants to destroy and devour our lives. So tonight as we come to Paul's closing remarks in regards to spiritual warfare, I want us to leave this portion of the Bible with a very sober mind and a clear understanding that the Christian life is in fact a life of battle. And the Bible command is for us to be a good soldier and our commission is to war a good warfare for the Lord Jesus Christ. For several verses now, we've seen Paul stressing our defensive armor and our call to stand. The Christian is not like a feather. We don't just float around with every breeze that blows. We're not like a leaf that drops into a stream and just floats with the current. But our call tonight is not maneuvering or manipulating or compromising or assimilating. We are called to be steadfast, immovable, and to hold our ground. When you read these verses on spiritual warfare, Paul challenges us to stand, to withstand, and then to keep standing against every attack that is leveled against us. Now, as we move into chapter 6, verse 17, and then verse 18, I mentioned that we move from defensive armor to offensive weaponry. In these two verses, we see that which we can use to go on the offense against a spiritual wickedness. Last week we covered in verse number 17 the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I'm glad tonight that we have, and we can confidently say that we have, the Word of God. I'm glad we don't have to seek for it, search for it, look through a glass and see pieces of parchment that have been kind of rounded up across the desert somewhere. But I'm glad I've got a complete copy of the perfect, preserved, powerful Word of God, and that is the sword of the Spirit by which I can fight the devil. Now when you come to verse number 18, we're introduced to the weapon of prayer. Prayer is like our long-range artillery. It reaches up to heaven. It touches every area of earth, and it'll bust through the very gates of hell. Martin Luther, the reformer, made a statement about prayer, and he said, if I should neglect prayer but a single day, I'll lose a great deal of the fire of my faith. Now, I know tonight when I come and talk to you about prayer, if you're a non-believer, the subject of prayer means nothing to you. And if you're backslidden tonight, it probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you either. But to the Christian who has spent several uh, devoted seasons of their life to earnest and eager prayer, we have no doubt about it that prayer is a powerful weapon in the arsenal of the child of God. 
I'm glad tonight I can say as a Christian who has tried God in prayer and found him more faithful than my words can even describe that this piece of weaponry can offer you and I more confidence than a hundred bombers or a thousand missiles. If you know the power of prayer, you would say to this world, you can keep every bit of carnal weaponry. I think I'll just take the power and promise of prayer and I'm glad that there's effectiveness in prayer tonight. We sing the song, I like the song, prayer's just as big as God is big. Prayer's just as strong as God is strong. Prayer can reach as far as God can reach. So don't ever give up, just pray. When a ship is sailing through treacherous water, it's important for that ship to have somebody on watch at all seasons, lest that ship end in wreckage. And the same thing true is true of the Christian. As we navigate this life, we can't afford to lose our watchfulness in the area of prayer. Spiritual warfare tonight is life and death for the Christian. Now we started this section with Paul saying, stand. We close it with him saying, be on your knees before God. In verse 18, look at what it says. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So the verbiage of the verse stresses the need for the Christian warrior to be in a constant attitude of prayer. I said in the introduction, Paul is saying, pray all the time. He is saying, at all times pray. And he's saying, all the time be involved in prayer. He's talking about a continual contact and communication with our God. There's not a moment on the clock. There's not a page on your calendar. There's no time in life where it is not right to pray. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he emphasized it, said, pray without ceasing. If you study World War I or II, in World War I, you know about the lost battalion. I think it was the U.S. 77th Division got separated, and they were in the Argonne Forest battling with the Germans. The Germans had overtaken that forest and controlled it, and those men, almost 550 men of that 77th Division, got cut off from the rest of their forces and trapped there in the forest. Many of them were taken prisoners or went missing. Many more were killed in action. And the reason those men met that fate is they were cut off from communication with their headquarters. Can I say the same thing happens in the Christian life when you and I don't keep an open line of communication with our headquarters. I remember Dr. Tom Malone talking about a man who came to visit him from the minute, what is it called, the National Council of Churches. A big ecumenical movement of every kind of denomination in the world. And Dr. Malone described that man. He said he pranced in holding his briefcase like a lady would hold her purse. If you said that nowadays, you'd get censored and canceled. But he said it then, and I like it now. But he walked in there just prancing very feminently. And the man came in there and asked Dr. Malone. He said, I want to know where your headquarters are. Dr. Malone said, headquarters? He said, what headquarters? He said, you have to have headquarters if you're a church. Where are your headquarters? He said, I don't even know where my hindquarters are, let alone my headquarters. That man began to look at him sideways, and he said, no, I'm just kidding with you. And Dr. Malone said, I'll tell you where my headquarters are. He said, my headquarters are in heaven, not some national council of churches. And he said, that man picked up his purse and pranced out of his office. I want you to know tonight, that's where our headquarters is as well. Our answer comes from heaven. That's why we raise the Bible and we sing that song. It's our headquarters. Now, there's several things to notice about prayer here in this text. First, you see the duty in prayer. It is to be constantly in an attitude of prayer, praying always. 
Then you see the description of prayer. He uses two words, prayer and supplication. That means this, your prayer ought to be marked by both praise and adoration to God as well as specific requests to meet the need you have in your life. Then we find the dynamic of prayer. We don't just pray to pray, but we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about prayer tonight, we're not talking about some cliche, go through the motions, chant, cross yourself a few times, go smoke a cigarette in a parking lot kind of a prayer. We're talking about entering into the throne room of glory, speaking to our divine mediator and letting the Holy Spirit guide our request and sanctify our thoughts so they're pleasing unto God. We don't pray like the Pharisee of Luke 18 with big eloquent words so that men can hear us and all at our oratory skill. Rather, we approach God like a publican, smote our breast and say, God, have mercy on me. I've got a need. The gravity of prayer is this, to realize that just as one day you and I will be bodily in heaven in the presence of God, even now when we pray, our voices echo in the very presence of God. The old statement is right. William Cowper penned, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon their knees. Prayer is more than just a weapon in warfare. It's often the hottest front in the battle of spiritual warfare. Prayer is work, it is worship, but it is war. The devil is not a practicer of prayer, but he is fearful of it. And because of that, he will attack you and I in this area. How? He'll make you too busy to pray. He'll make you weary when you try to pray. He'll let your phone ring as soon as you start to pray. He'll remind you of something you didn't get done. He'll tell you that God isn't going to hear or answer it anyway. We've got to guard ourselves in this area. Tonight, here's the thought, praying always. So what is prayer? I submit to you prayer is not some formulated utterance with designated postures in certain times and a direction you have to bow in like the Muslims practice. Prayer is not a state of nirvana or mindless serenity like the Buddhist strives for. Prayer is not contorting yourself into an upright oak box, whispering your sins through a screen to another man wearing a dress who's also a sinner and hoping that he can help you in some way. Bible prayer is not some ritualistic repetition or some clerical chanting. It's not a bow to the east or roll beads around your neck, burning incense or popping hallucinatory mushrooms and having a vision. Amen. That is not prayer. Sorry, Brother England, that is not prayer. But what Paul, and I found you, by the way, I don't know what I win, but I know where you're sitting. What Paul is emphasizing in our verse is a life of genuine prayer. He's talking about actually communicating with God by the Spirit through our mediator, Jesus Christ. Daniel Nash was a man who labored with Charles Finney. And Daniel Nash was a powerful, not preacher, but a powerful prayer warrior. He was a pastor in New York City, New York area. And on his tombstone, the epithet said, Daniel Nash labored with Finney, but then it said this, mighty in prayer. I wonder if God could say that about you and I. I wonder if anybody else would say that about you and I. Praying always means I have a heart that's in tune with heaven. Praying always means I have a mind that is stayed upon Christ. Paul is saying prayer ought to be our atmosphere. Prayer ought to be our domain. Prayer ought to be as natural as the air we breathe and the language that we speak. If fish swim and birds fly, if, if a dog barks, then Christians ought to pray. It ought to just come normal to us. The command is this, put on the whole armor of God. But if you and I fail to pray, we'll be weak in our stand. Prayer makes things happen. Prayer moves the heart of Christ. Prayer moves the hand of God. 
the disciples walked with Jesus, and you can imagine, they got to see Jesus do what only Jesus can do. They were there throughout his ministry. They watched as Jesus turned water into wine, and they were there as Jesus gave the Samaritan woman a drink of living water, and they witnessed as Jesus called Lazarus up out of the tomb. But the thing the disciples marveled at the most when it came to Christ is this, his prayer life. And they looked at Jesus and said, Lord, here's what we desire of you. Would you teach us to pray? Prayer is a privilege. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is a promise. It connects us to the heart of God. James 5.16 says this, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, not every Christian can preach. Not every Christian can sing. You say, prove it. You want me to prove it? <clears throat> you had to pay me more. Not every Christian, not every Christian can do everything. But every Christian can pray. If we sow in prayerlessness, we will reap failure every time. But if you'll sow in prayer, you reap all the potential of God. Prayer is more than just uttering words into space. Prayer is more than just repetition spoken to the wind. It's more than just a conversation with our inner conscience. Prayer is man stepping out of the realm of the temporal, walking into the realm of the eternal, approaching the very throne room of our eternal King of kings and Lord of lords and having confidence that he will hear and grant our petition. I'm glad when I go to God, I don't have to go by intrusion. I'm glad I can go by invitation. I'm glad, I'm glad when I pray, I can start off by saying, Our Father, which art in heaven. Hebrews 4 tells me that we have a great high priest that's passed into heaven. And it talks about how since I have that high priest, I can go boldly under the throne of grace. And when you and I pray, we're a small being, but we're in a big place. We're a needy soul, but we get in the supply room and we have an audience with God. Prayer is God's invitation to interfere in my affairs. Prayer invites God into my need. Prayer invites God into my desire. Prayer invites God into my hope. Prayer invites God into my decision. Prayer invites God into our service. And God is not stingy. And God is not reluctant. And God is not trying to keep back. God desires to deliver whatever it is you need this evening. But the avenue, the route and the supply chain by which the blessing rolls or the help rolls in your life is through that conduit of prayer. You and I can't fail in that area. Prayer is not just another thing. It is the main thing. It's not a secondary act. It's the primary practice. Prayer is what moves God and moves things in this life for God. Oh, we must pray. When we pray, thank God we can get reinforcements from heaven. When we pray, we can get power to stand. When we pray, we can have confidence. God's ears are not deaf and his hand is not shortened. God can meet the need. 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. I told the young people in college chapel earlier this year, prayer can be made in any position. In Mark 11, I read about prayer standing up. In 1 Kings 8, I read about, I read about prayer kneeling down. In Mark 14, I read about prayer by falling on your face. It's not about how you stand. It's not about your position. It's about praying always. Prayer can be made any place. 1 Timothy 2.8, he said, I'll therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands so I can pray. You'll find Jesus prayed on the sea. Jesus prayed in the mountains. Jesus prayed in a garden. Jesus prayed in a house. Jonah prayed by, uh, in a whale's belly. But you can find you can pray in a prayer closet. You can pray at church. A thief prayed on the cross. That's not the issue. The issue is this. I am to be praying always. Prayer can be made at any point in life. Ephesians 6, 18 says praying always. That means my duty is this, just to keep on praying. John Wesley would spend two hours in prayer every morning. 
And a man said, how can you do that? He said, I've got so much to get done. He said, I don't have enough time to pray. John Wesley said, I've got too much to do not to spend that much time in prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 7 and 8, he said, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And him that knocketh it shall be opened. I love prayer because here's what it does. It will destroy the doubt that's in my life if I'll pray. It will help me as I navigate this life. It's an antidote to all my anxieties and unlocks the treasure room of God. It will take my weakness and wrap it in the strength of heaven. It turns my folly into the wisdom of God and it moves God on my behalf. In Mark chapter 9, the disciples are trying to cast this dumb spirit out of this boy. That dumb spirit would tear this young man. It tormented him. It tormented his family. But he, the disciples couldn't take care of it. They had all their degrees and they had all their motives and they had all their strategy and they had everything programmed out. They tried and they toiled and they worked and they put their effort in it. But that dumb spirit wouldn't leave that boy. And then Jesus cast him out. How do he do it? This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. He's saying there's some things, fellas, you can't do with eloquence. And there's some things you can't do with a good program. And there's some things you can't get done by organizing. He said some big things only get done if you learn how to pray and fast. Prayer parted the Red Sea. Prayer is what brought down fire on Mount Carmel. Prayer is what shut the mouths of lions in Babylon. Prayer raises the dead and brings revival to the church. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Tonight, God's people have never had the majority, but we've always had prayer. We've never had physical might, but always had prayer. We've never had an upper hand, but always had prayer. And here's what our Lord said, call unto me, and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. If I could describe what great and mighty things were, they wouldn't be all that great and mighty. All all I know is it's beyond comprehension. It's beyond understanding what God can do if his people will trust him and pray in faith. Oh my, Psalm 18, 6, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. And here's what I want to do. I want to come to him on behalf of prayer. I wonder what we emphasize the most and what we put toward the bottom of our list of important things when it comes to Christianity. I talked on the radio today Two things that you can't do without, for sure, Bible study and prayer. And if you neglect one, you'll neglect the other. And without one, you'll fail on the other. You have to have Bible study, you have to have prayer. Sometimes I'll go to prayer and don't know what to pray about, so I'll read my Bible. You know what happens when I read my Bible? God gives me something to pray about. Because <laughs> you start reading through the scripture and see where you fall short or see a need, you'll find something to pray about. I wonder how many minutes you spend in prayer today. A lot of people spend way more time complaining about how the devil's fighting than fighting the devil in prayer. The average testimony meeting or prayer meeting is more discouraging than reviving. Our Saturday night one's not that way because we don't take a lot of requests. Praise the Lord for that. But you get in these prayer meetings and they spend 45 minutes on prayer requests that have nothing to do with really prayer requests at all. And then about three minutes on prayer so everybody can get out of there. You take a prayer request in the average church. The reason we don't do a lot of corporate prayer, you don't know what anybody's going to say. Basically, what they're going to do is they're going to air dirty laundry about somebody else. Now, she's not here tonight, but here's what I heard is going on. we got to pray for her. Come on now. You ought not ever offer a public request over something you haven't privately prayed about anyway. I wonder what we could see God do if God's people got more interested in the prayer closet than a platform. Or publicity or any kind of attention from this world. 
Charles Spurgeon, I like this statement, he said, a prayerless Christian is a rotten bone and a decayed tooth to the body of Christ. He said, neglect of prayer is the locust that devours the strength of the church. Our generation needs some Hannahs who'll pray when their need is great. Our generation needs a Daniel who'll pray when the opposition's overwhelming. Our generation needs a Jabez who'll say, God, do some big things for us. Our generation needs a Moses who'll pray for his nation. God's ears are still open and Christ is still at work by the throne. The Holy Spirit is still there to make our requests known unto God. And every prayer promise in the Bible is still binding in an operation today. The very fact that God says, call unto me, tells us he wants to answer our prayers. We can pray, that's our solace. We can pray, that's our hope. We can pray, that's our assurance. When I pray, I ought to watch in prayer, travail in prayer, tarry in prayer, intercede in prayer. Not oratory, skill, not eloquence, not pretty words and liturgical dirge. It's me crying out, Abba, Father. I think about when Peter was on the sea. You know what his prayer was like? Lord, save me. He didn't say... God, in the Old Testament, thou saidest. He just said, God, I need some help. I pray you'd come over here and help me. You know, you don't have to know 400 Bible verses and put these and thou's and everything, though I'm not against that. I think it's all right to use Bible language when you pray. But if you just have a sincere, humble, broken heart before God, and you'll just wrap that thing up in faith and go to your Heavenly Father, I tell you this, He delights to hear and answer our prayers. I need to go to God in prayer when tragedy comes. I need to go to God in prayer when there's loss. I ought to go to God in prayer when there's family turmoil. You ought to go to God in prayer when life's uncertain. You ought to go to God in prayer when sin lies at the door. You ought to go to God in prayer when your enemy rises up against you. What did the songwriter say? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We're burdened to become better soul winners. But I tell you this, you'll be a better soul winner if you become a better prayer. Amen. We're burdened. We're burdened by a lot of things. I'd like to get better this area, that area, there. But I tell you, a good New Year's resolution is that you just spend more time, and I spend more time in earnest, real prayer. I tell you what I'm worried about sometimes what I'll do in my Bible study is I'll read my Bible to get through it and not let the Bible get through me. Because I'm not against Bible reading calendars, but sometimes we think it's a race. And we feel pretty good if we can mark it off there. And then you go back and say, now what did I get out of that? Nothing but a check mark on my Bible reading calendar. That's what I got out of that. But the same thing's true about prayer sometimes. Have you ever noticed it when, I don't know, maybe I'm just confessing my own. Have you ever noticed when you go into prayer and then you start out okay and then after you think about it for me, like what in the world have I been talking about? Because I've been thinking about 400 other things other than what I'm praying about. I told the man in church ed, I said, I tell you what you've got to get, you've got you to get, uh, you gotta get okay with things just being quiet every once in a while. I think if we're not careful, we've been so conditioned to have activity, noise, excitement, enthusiasm, and all that's good in its place. But you'll have a hard time truly entering into a prayer attitude if you are afraid of stillness. And if you do not purposely schedule stillness into your life, you're probably not going to pray like you ought to pray. You say, what do you mean? You might have to get up an hour earlier than you normally do so you can get up before all the heathens get out of bed, especially during Christmas break. So your house is quiet, right? You might. You might have to stow away. You might have to take a lunch break. Instead of going to the cafeteria or wherever everybody else works, you might have to go sit in your car. But you can't be afraid of this quietness and getting alone with God. There's some people in here tonight, you probably have a great need, a big need, a huge need. But I wonder if you've really prayed about it. 
I don't mean just walk down the street and say, God, you know what I'm going through. I pray you'd help me. But I mean, you really sought God. Grabbed a hold of the throne of grace. Said, God, I need this. James 4, 2 tells me, you have not because you ask not. I'll make an application in just a minute. Think about this. Lot got rescued because Abraham prayed. Lazarus was resurrected when Jesus prayed. Hannah had a son named Samuel, but just because she prayed. Peter got out of jail because the church prayed. Isaac got a wife. That would be encouragement for some of you fellas down here, right? Because Eliezer prayed. Miriam got healed from her leprosy when Moses prayed. Samson got his strength back, but just when he prayed. Bartimaeus got his sight only when Jesus prayed. Jerusalem got revived because 120 men and ladies in an upper room prayed for revival. The thief on the cross got saved because he prayed. Let me give you a few things to think about, then we'll go home. Number one, pray specific prayers. Pray specific prayers. Don't just pray shotgun kind of prayers. Lord, I pray you'd bless. Lord, I pray you'd move. Lord, I pray you'd get specific about it. You're going to have to have some faith in God to pray specific prayers, though. But I tell you the thing. Put God to the test. You'll find that God is faithful and true. Don't just say, God, I've got needs, but begin to list them. Amen. I want to know what your needs are. You probably want to know what my needs are. God surely wants to know what our needs are specifically. Say, God, it's this, it's that, it's the other. Here's what's... And God knows all about it. You're not giving him information, but he likes to hear you pray. But be specific when you pray. Number two, what about this? Pray Bible promises. He gave us a whole book of promises, prayer promises. All of these promises in the Bible are still binding. God put himself in the realm of accountability when he made these promises. Because if we meet the condition, pray the promise, then it's on God to uphold his end of the bargain, and God is not a liar. God always honors his word. What about this? I've said it several times. Number three, pray in faith. Have you ever prayed for something while you're praying for it, didn't think it's going to happen? You ever done that before? I mean, while you're praying for it, you're like, yeah, but there's no way. I'm just going to say it. Here's what I'm praying about, but you don't really expect it. You ever done that before? You just say it all the time. I wonder what would happen if we actually believed God could do it. Remember that song I quoted, prayer is just as big as God is? You believe it? It's just as strong as God is strong? Can reach as far as God can reach? Never give up? Just keep on praying? You got to have faith when you pray. All right, what about this? Number four, you got to pray persistently. I think one of the reasons why maybe we don't see as many answers to prayers, we give up right before victory. Have you ever known anybody who's prayed for the salvation of somebody for a long time and they just faithfully did it? I know from traveling I'll have people come up to me sometimes and, say, and year after year I'll say, I'm still praying for my husband to get saved. You ever heard of that? Or I'm praying for my son that he'll, he'll get back in church. Or I'm praying for this and they just persistently do it. Sometimes God doesn't answer before you say, in Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes you have to keep knocking. Sometimes you have to go there at midnight and say, hey, I need some bread. I've got some guests that came over and I don't have any bread. you have any bread? And you might have to knock more than one time. You might have to knock two or three times. But I promise this, you keep on knocking and in God's time, God will answer one way or the other. So pray persistently. So I'm about to give up. My prodigal son will never get right. You don't know that. Amen. So I'd keep on praying. My lost whatever is never going to get saved. I'd keep on praying. That revival is never going to come. I'd just keep on praying. Pray persistently. What about this? I mentioned a minute ago, make time for prayer. Schedule prayer in. Schedule it in. Just schedule prayer into your life. 
I kind of live by the same schedule almost every day. I get up at the same time and the same routine in the morning. The first thing I do in the morning is make coffee. You probably thought I was going to say something spiritual. It's not. The first thing I do is make coffee because nothing happens until the coffee happens. Nothing spiritual happens until the coffee happens. I find the more caffeinated I am, the more spiritual I feel. So anyway, that gets me back to the mushroom thing, doesn't it? But anyhow, caffeine's a Christian drug, though. It's okay. Everybody all right? So, but the first thing you do is make coffee. And then I go to the kitchen table, and I get my, my Bible out and a prayer sheet or whatever, and I, and I spend time in prayer and Bible study. I don't do that because I'm spiritual. I do that because if I don't do it then, I'll never do it. Because if I say I'm going to do it later, I tell you what, I promise you this, I won't do it later. 100%. Guarantee it. Because by the time I'm done, well, I mean, I, I have to study here for, for preaching, but personal Bible study and prayer, I won't do it. Because by the time I get home, I don't want to do it. I'm not as spiritual as you are. I want to watch, t I want to listen to KMVBC. <laughs> and watch Veggie Tales and wear culottes and chill, you know. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Well, good Christians do. Let me give you another one. Two more and I'll be through. Number one, when you pray, pray humbly and honestly. Sometimes I'm afraid if I, pr I pray, but in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking about how I'm going to do it for God. That's pride, isn't it? How I'm going to make it work out, how I'm going to make it happen, or how I can figure this thing out. Empty yourself of self. Uh, I say, oh, wretched man that I am. He said, I'm a man of unclean. He understood who he was and he prayed. All right, lastly, seventh thing. Let me give you this. Pray first. That's deep, isn't it? Pray first. Maybe I ought to write that down somewhere. I'm going to write that in my Bible. Pray first. Before you react, pray first. Before you text, pray first. <laughs> Make the phone call, pray first, right? Make the decision, pray first. Move prayer up the list, not just a little bit, but to the front of the line. And give God a chance to do God things first before you and I mess it up. Everything, big things and small things. I mean, pray first. Buying a new vehicle, pray first. Right? Taking a trip from the house to church, pray first. Every time you get from home to here and back to home, that's the grace of God. Amen. You got a, a job decision? How about don't look at your bank account first or the benefit package first, but pray first. That sounds a little too Christian, but give it a shot. Just pray first. Uh, before you vote, pray first. I mean, all these things of life, whatever it is, pray first. When you go visit your in-laws, you better pray first. Amen. Pray, pray, for, pray for salvations and uh, no evidence at the scene of the crime, but pray first. In all these things, pray first. Pray first. Give, it, give God a chance. Paul's admonition is this, praying always. You say, that's impossible. I can't just spend all day saying, Lord, I pray. You can, actually. Your inner man, your spiritual man can stay in constant communion with God if you, if you let him, if you want. And it's not saying you have to utter verbal, audible words into the atmosphere all day long. It's just an attitude or spirit of prayer. You can do it anywhere, anytime, place. And by the way, you ought to. 2022 is almost over. 2023 is upcoming. If all of us increased a little bit in that area of prayer, I think we'd see fruit abound in this place and in our own life. Prayer is a powerful weapon. Not just a, it is the powerful weapon. 
Billy Sunday said, if you're strangers to prayer, you're strangers to power. I don't know what all we miss out on, but I know this will miss out on a lot if we don't pray. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.